So we're going to continue our series on um, the basics of the Christian faith and, come, and the confessions that comes out of the Reformation. Um, we've done Christ alone, and I've squished grace and, and faith alone. And now we're going to go with... Um, uh, sorry, Scripture alone, we did that. Um, faith alone. Grace alone, and we're going to do uh, Christ alone. And next week will be the last of the series um, with the priesthood of all believers. Um, let's pray and bow our heads and ask God to speak to us this, uh, this morning. Well, once again, we give you praise that you love to speak to us. And we, we, we thank you that your, uh, your words have great power to shape and mold us. And we pray that your, uh, your words uh, will not return to you empty but accomplish its mission in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you will know who John Stott is, but perhaps many of you won't. Um, he was named one of uh, uh, Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in 2005. Billy Graham, this is what Billy Graham wrote of him um, in this article. I think it's in that next slide. Um, this is what he wrote of him in that article. I can't think of anyone who has been more effective in introducing so many people to a biblical worldview. He represents a touchstone of an authentic biblical scholarship that, in my opinion, has scarcely been paralleled since the days of the 16th century European reformers. I had a chance to meet him in 2006, um, and it was a very exciting day for me. I had seen him in, the, um, in my college when he came to visit, but this was the first time that I'm going to, I was going to meet him uh, privately with a couple of other people. Um, and the reason why um, I was able to have this access um, was because my friend, um, who I roomed with in seminary, he was now working as John Stott's study assistant. It was through him I was able to request this little meeting, and I was able to meet with him. Well, the world sort of works like that, doesn't it? Um, these intermediaries, the people you know, are very, very important. It gives you access in, to people who you don't know, people who you'd like to meet, or people you barely know, who you know is important. And it seems that even as it came to our dealings with God, people have thought like this. Uh, this is why some people in the Middle Ages prayed to saints. God seemed foreboding and far away. And many still feel this way. And so people prayed instead to saints because they're human beings. They know what we, what we go through. They, we can relate to them better. Their prayers, saints' prayers, were deemed especially powerful as well. People prayed to Mary, the mother of Jesus, because she was deemed especially sanctified, completely sanctified. And, of course, she was the mother of Jesus. And if you uh, want a, a man to do anything, you know that you go to his mother and tell him what to do. Well, the Catholics say that Mary, if you ask Mary, then Mary would ask Jesus. They considered saints, they considered Mary as intermediaries, the people who stand in between God and us. It's not just the saints and Mary um, either. Many also believe that priests are intermediaries between God and human beings as well. They were seen as people who were close to God. So people uh, come to priests um, to receive blessings and special prayers. 
And you don't have to be a Catholic to believe this because I know that some people come in this church, come to me, and I always feel a bit uh, slightly um, iffy about, about, about it because if you believe that my prayers are more powerful than yours, then you're wrong. If you believe that I am closer to God than you are, then you're wrong. And I do not want to give you that impression that I'm closer to God, that I have better access to God than you. Um, I am not an intermediary between God and you. You see, Catholics and we and many people agree on the first part of verse 5. Look at verse 5. For there is one God. That's the part that we agree on. But it's the second part that Catholics and many other people outside of Christianity differ. Um, It's for there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. You see what the Bible says here. There's only one mediator between God and people, and that is man Christ Jesus. He's the only intermediary. He's the only mediator. Um, And this is largely uh, the cause of conflict between us Christians and other religions as well, because Jews, Muslims, and, and Christians all believe, once again, agree in the first part, that there is only one God. It's the second part, that, that, there, there, that, that we have other mediators that we differ on. Christians believe, obviously, that Jesus is the only man standing in between God and us, but uh, Muslims believe Jesus was one among many prophets. Jewish people, actually, modern Jews don't even seem to think that they need an intermediate person, media, mediator, um, to go, go to God. And many people these days seem to think that many, uh, all religions lead to, to, to the same God. They, they're, uh, they're, they have, they're all equally valid ways to get to God, whether it be Hindus, Christians, Muslims, Jews, all valid way to meet God. And Paul refutes this vigorously and simply by asserting this one thing, that just as there is only one God, there is only one mediator between God and us, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the only way to God. And I don't know if you can see the implications here. Paul gives um, why. He says that uh, Jesus is the only mediator in verse 6. Jesus is the mediator of all, everyone, because Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all men. Everybody's saved by grace through faith alone. Everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're called a saint in the Catholic Church. That saint is saved by grace alone in Christ. They go to God through Christ. It doesn't matter if you're uh, Mary. Mary was saved by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ. Mary went to uh, God through Christ, his son, her son. Priests are saved by grace through Jesus. I am and you are too. only way that anyone can ever approach God is through Christ. Through Christ alone. This is why we don't pray to the saints in the Protestant church. As Calvin, the the great reformer, puts it, no man's prayers are heard either in behalf of himself or in behalf of another unless he rely on Christ as his advocate. All the prophets 
and apostles and martyrs, even the angels themselves are so far from making any pretensions to this, they too have the need of intercession as ourselves. Everyone, everyone's prayers are heard because and through Christ. And one of the things that comes out of this is this astonishing fact that everyone, all of us, are as close to God as Jesus is. We all are as close to God as Jesus is through Christ. Jesus is with the Father, and through him, we are with the Father. We have that sort of access to the Father. We have his, God's ear and his heart because Christ is next to the Father. We can be sure that our prayers are always listened to because Christ intercedes next to the Father Why then pray to saints? Why then go to Mary? They all have access to the Father through the Son. And that's granted. That access is granted to us as well. Saints are honored in the Protestant churches, not because they're special people, but because of their lives, because their lives pointed to Jesus. Pastors are not mediators either. They're the ones who stand alongside of us to counsel us, to declare Jesus' promise to us, to for, uh, Jesus' forgiveness to us. But they're not mediators. If you come to me for prayer, I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to point away from myself and point to Jesus. I'm going to remind you that you can go to God you might come to me if you don't have words to pray, if it's difficult to pray, but you don't, don't, please don't come to me because you think I have better access to God than you. As for other religions, this idea that pluralism um, is a very new thing, um, uh, it, it's, a modern, it, it's a modern thing, is, is not, not true. Um, people believe that, you know, before in the days of the past when we believed in our local deities, and, and um, of course we only thought that there, our God was the only God. And now, because we have, we have a modern travel, you can travel everywhere and you can see what people believe everywhere else, and because everybody else say that their God is the only God, we think that uh, we can't insist anymore that our God is the only God. We think that this is a modern thing, but this is not true. This is the biblical worldview as well. The Bible was written in, in view of in, in pluralistic society. The Old Testament, Judaism, existed as one religion among many. There were Zoroastrians, people who worshipped these stars. Um, there were also Canaanite religions, Egyptian religions. They lived among, as one religion among many religions. And they insisted that Yahweh God was the only God. And that's the same with early Christians as well. Um, they faced persecution precisely because they believed in one God amongst many other gods, because other people believed in other gods. 
And Christians started to proclaim that there was only one God, and that God became a human being in Jesus. Everyone needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why they were persecuted. And in verse 7 of our reading, Paul says he was appointed to preach the gospel to the Gentiles because the Gentiles needed to hear the gospel. Because they need the message of salvation. Here is what we need to guard against. Anything that says Jesus plus. Jesus plus teachings. There are people who say that, oh yes, we agree that Jesus is our mediator. But what's the harm in going to other people? Jesus plus There are people who say Jesus is a a, a prophet, a good person. There are people who say Jesus is even God. But maybe there are salvation in other religions as well. Maybe God is working in other outside of Christianity as well. That's Jesus plus. Jesus plus is what, um, what Paul is vigorously arguing against. There is only one God and one mediator. And when we go to any other mediators outside of Christ, we dishonor God. We, go, we, we, we grow f- uh, farther away from God. And this is, once again, how Calvin puts it. From the beginning, men, by imagining for themselves this or that mediator, departed further from God. Wherever, when we, whenever we go to other uh, mediators, to saints or to Mary or to other religions, we grow farther away from Jesus and therefore farther away from God, not closer. We dishonor Christ, the work of Christ, by not believing in the sufficiency of his works. Christ alone is our mediator, and we need no other. Now, if you're then asking, well, that seems really narrow-minded, that there's only one God, um, how can Jesus be the only mediator between God and us? Well, Paul gives three reasons in this text. Jesus is our only mediator he's, because he's, a, he's unique in who he is, in his being, and also he's unique in his works. Uh, He is God-man, he has died for us, and he intercedes for all of us. First of all, the uniqueness of his being. In order for someone to be a perfect mediator, somebody who stands in between two parties, two parties need to be represented perfectly in the mediation. If somebody um, is going through, uh, if, is, if somebody is going to mediate on our behalf, we want to make sure that that person knows us. Can, that person can represent us correctly. And this is especially the case when we go through our difficult times, isn't it? When we go through difficult times, we feel like nobody can speak on our behalf because nobody knows what we're going through. Nobody else knows the pain. Nobody else knows what we're going through. Nobody else can identify with us. And this was the case of a, a, a person um, who, who, who went through extreme amounts of suffering in the Bible, Job. Job lost um, all that he had, all his possessions, all his children, his health, all in one day. 
and Job was lost for words. He was asking God, why is this happening? But Job felt that he couldn't protest against God. He couldn't get a fair hearing because God was God and he was a human being. And this, in his frustration, in chapter 9 of Job, verses 32-33, this is what he exclaimed. God is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court if only there was someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together. He thinks that if only God would know what I am going through, if only God were like me, somebody who can speak on my behalf, who knows God, who can, spot, who can, who can speak on my behalf, he longed for that kind of mediator to come. Well, Job... And the rest of humanity now has that mediator in Christ Jesus, somebody who knows God, somebody who knows man perfectly. God became a man and stands before, in between God and humanity. And is that what Paul is emphasizing in our text in verse 5? One mediator between God and humanity, one man, Jesus Christ. He says, he emphasizes that man part, doesn't he? This is a person who knows. If God seems foreboding and far away to you, Jesus is as close to you as God can be because God became a human being. So number one reason why God can mediate between us is because he's unique in his being. He is God who became a person. But that's not all. Christ acts as our mediator not only because of what he is, but because of what he does, what he has done, and what he continues to do. He has become our mediator because he has died for all of us, as he says in verse 6. He has become a ransom for all of us. Paul, of course, is repeating Jesus' words in chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There was a debt to be paid for humanity rebelled against God because God was angry at our sin and Jesus became the mediator of all because he paid for our sin with his blood, with the price of his blood. Ransom was a price paid to release uh, captives or slaves. And you see, he paid for all. He died for all. So he became the mediator for all, whether Jew or Gentile, whether humble or exalted, righteous, unrighteous, Korean, Chinese, New Zealanders, even Aussies. Jesus died for all. And he became then a mediator for all. And finally, this is uh, this Jesus who was killed. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And he's seated at the right hand of God. And he's there even now, interceding, mediating on our behalf, even now. He continues to be our mediator. Remember Romans 8, verse 34. Who is that condemns? 
Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God as it, and is interceding for us. Remember the words of that hymn. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and I see him there who made an end to all my sin. The one who made an end to all our sin is sitting at the right hand of God and is interceding on our behalf. Christ's work continues in heaven. He's interceding on our behalf in heaven. This is why there can only be one mediator between God and humanity, because of who he is, because he's God who became man, because of what he has done, because he had paid for the price of our, our sins, and because he continues that work, because he was raised to life and is seated at the right hand of God, and he's interceding on our behalf. Christ alone, we need no other. And you might be thankful now that we have this mediator. But if you aren't a Christian, you might be asking, well, why do we we need a mediator in the first place? Many people believe that they are good enough to be with God because they have lived a decent life. Once again, but that's not what the Bible says. Um, is it Uh, Isaiah when he saw he heard God's voice for the first time he just fell and he thought he was going to die he begged that he might not die and actually that's the uh, 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 that's the immediate uh, reaction of many people in the New Testament as well even when angels appear people think that they're going to die and the first thing that angels have to say to people is don't be afraid don't be afraid When Moses asked to see God in Exodus chapter 33, God said, you can't see my face for no one can see my face and live because there is this, he is this holy God. We need a mediator. In theological circle, the liberals say that God did not need to die for our sins because um, the reconciliation need only need to happen uh, on, uh, on our side. If we turn and repent, God will accept us. That is true, but that's not the only thing that's necessary. God is angry at our sin. There is wrath of God there. God is angry at our rebellion because he's created us. He sustains us, and he loves us, and we continue to rebel against him. And because God is just, that is not enough. And the New Testament talks about it in, this, in the strongest possible terms as well. In John three thirty six, 36, John says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects his Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. I met somebody this past week um, who was not a, a Christian. He was eager to follow God. He wanted to live his life differently. He wanted to know God. He wanted, him to, him, he wanted his life to change. He, want, he wanted the world to change. And he thought that he could just come to church and get to know God. Start his life again. And I admire his eagerness and zeal. And I really, I, I, I just really felt for him. But he had no idea, no idea what made that possible. 
what made us turning to God and being accepted by God possible. He had no idea that he needed a mediator between God and us. And the reformers in the Bible remind us that we cannot approach God because he is holy. So, can we stop trusting ourselves? Admit that we cannot approach God by ourselves. And would you stop going to other mediators, whether it be, once again, yourself or other saints or Mary or whatever it is, spiritual practices that you have, you think that's the way to God. There's only one mediator from all our spiritual gifts flow. And if you don't, if you're visiting, and if you don't yet know Jesus yet, would you please um, come to me after the service? Um, I'd love to pray this prayer with you and invite Jesus into your heart. Um, and I'd love to tell you a little bit more. And there's Christianity Explored um, that will be starting on October 21st. Um, come sign up for that and come for that. Uh, because salvation is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm going to end. Um, uh, I, I wish I were a better writer and better speaker, but I'm not. Um, I'm just what I am. So I'm going to end with uh, what Calvin wrote. Um, it's a long quote, but I think it's worth quoting. And it just puts in words so many things that I cannot put in words uh, myself. We should therefore take care not to drive the least portion of him of it from anywhere else. If we seek salvation, we are taught by the very name of Jesus that it is of him. If we seek any other gifts of the Spirit, they will be found in his anointing. If we seek strength, it lies in his dominion. If purity in his conception, if gentleness, it appears in his birth. For by his birth, he was made like us in all all respects, that he might learn to feel our pain. If we seek redemption, it lies in his passion. If acquittal, in his condemnation. If remission of the curse, in his cross. If satisfaction, in his sacrifice. If purification in his blood, if reconciliation in his descent into hell, if mortification of the flesh in his tomb, if newness of life in his resurrection, if immortality in the same, if inheritance of all blessings in his kingdom, if untroubled expectation of judgment in the power given to him to judge, in short, since a rich store of every kind of good abounds in him, let us drink our fill from this foundation and from no other. May we turn to Christ in all things. Amen.